There is indeed a world unseen, a world that exists all around us, all the time. And every now and then, we catch a glimpse of it, and the dead get in. Good evening, everybody. It's Dr. G, Spirit Tales and Magic. Thanks for listening. It's about 10.30 in the very Pacific, dark Northwest. <laughs> it's a very dark and cold, go figure. A lot of activity outside the studio and the house today. You don't see it, but you hear it. It's uh, almost like what you would refer to as din. It's nervy, and you're constantly checking to see if someone's outside, which we have, I don't know, 100 camera angles around this place, so... You know, everybody jokingly says, oh, it's the Bigfoot camps, but uh, there's very little of this place that I can't see. And the noise is there, but the bodies aren't. It's been a very long couple of days for Cassandra and I, but we've got a lot of stuff to do, and you're going to get to hear about most of it. We are actually ahead on podcast versus days in what our friend has declared October. So... We didn't really have to put up a, an episode today, but in the mail today, the actual snail mail, we have a letter from a friend, Brian, who I haven't heard from in a little bit. Some of our other friends actually thought he might have passed because he has basically disappeared from the planet. So letter is postmarked Colorado, which I thought was interesting because the last time he and I talked, he was very close to where we grew up. He was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So he's a long way from Pittsburgh. So here's the gist of the letter. I'm not going to read the whole thing. There are things in here that I think probably should not go out over the air, Brian, even though you didn't care. But hey, Doc, how you doing? I hear you recently came back from the dead. I as well have done the same thing, only I didn't actually die. I just vanished. Do you ever have one of those times when you just don't feel like playing anymore and you reinvent yourself and slide off to another place? They say that's healthy, you know. Next time I see you in person, we'll have to have a long chat about that. So I wanted you to read this on the podcast, if you will. It's my story about a little place that I live very close to called St. Elmo. And, uh, Here's an interesting thing. There's a couple of burning barrels there that everybody, you know, they, they, there are very few people that still live there. But one of them refers to it as St. Elmo's fire. And I said, no, that's been done. So it's not that one. It's St. Elmo and it's a town and nestled deep in the Rocky Mountains at an elevation of more than 10,000 feet. It's a former mining town, and it's utterly remote. It's cut off from civilization by an incredible dense pine forest, which you really need to come and see because it's thicker than even most of the stuff you have up there. It's uh, almost otherworldly. And if the forest isn't enough, there are two 14,000-foot peaks so it is pretty much cut off. It was founded in about 1880, settled by enterprising prospectors who pulled a lot of gold and silver out of the mines that they had dug into the surrounding hills. 
St. Elmo was also something of a transportation hub. It had a depot for the narrow-gauged Denver, South Pacific, and South Park and Pacific railroads, as well as the starting point of the Gunnison, the Aspen, and the Tin Cup Stagecoach lines. This place at its zenith in the 1880s had a population of around 2,000 people. There was a smelting works, several merchandise stores, five hotels, telegraph office, there was a town hall, five restaurants, two sawmills, a schoolhouse, and then even had a weekly newspaper called The Mountaineer and numerous saloons, dance halls, and maybe even a brothel or two. But a fire swept through the town in 1890. And after that, it was thought that the place actually never stopped exhaling. The mines started to dry up and the price of silver collapsed around 1893. 17 years later, the Alpine Tunnel, which was the first to burrow through the Continental Divide, ceased its operation and the train service ended in the 1920s. Looked like St. Elmo's legacy as a ghost town wasn't far behind. The Mary Murphy Mine, once the richest in town, closed in 1936. Within a decade, St. Elmo had just two full-time residents, Tony and Annabelle Stark, the son and daughter of a prominent former cattleman and mine boss. Oh, and by the way, relatives of mine. Distant, but still relatives. As people left town, the Starks bought their properties for the value of their tax liens and converted them to summer cabins to rent to tourists. Today, roughly 40 of the town's early structures are still standing and remain intact, including the Miners Exchange Building, which served as a bank and a saloon before it became the general store, Pat Hurley's Saloon, the Pawnee Mining and Milling Company Building, and the Stark's home, the Comfort Hotel. With an old, dilapidated Main Street lined with abandoned false front stores and other frame structures, St. Elmo's is still considered to be one of the best-preserved ghost towns in the West. You should get out here sometime and see it. And if you do, put it on the podcast that you're coming so I can meet you in town. You know, the old buildings aren't the only leftovers from the town's past. The ghost of Annabelle Stark apparently still patrols the streets of St. Elmo. She lived there without any indoor plumbing until the late 1950s. She was tagged with the nickname Dirty Annie because of the filthy clothing she wore and the tangled mess of her hair. She used to stroll the streets with a loaded shotgun slung over one of her shoulders. Annabelle left the hotel to a friend when she passed in 1960. And shortly after her death, the friend's grandchildren were playing in one of the rooms when the temperature dropped about 20 degrees and all the doors in the hotel simultaneously slammed shut. So today, there are still tourists that come here. There are a few things open. The mine trails and 
some of the old buildings that didn't make it. The roads that went to them are now for four-wheel drive and dirt bikers. It's slowly becoming a mecca for that sort of thing. There are a lot of rumors about cryptids, and here's one you'll know about, the Bigfoot. I always thought when I heard that you went to the Pacific Northwest that you went there because, what's that, one of the only remaining cryptids you haven't chased? But then again, as you would say, I digress. What are you guys doing for Halloween? Where's the show? Let me know. Glad you're back from the dead. And hey, me too. I'll be on the podcast listing and uh, you and Cassandra take it easy. Brian. So parts of that letter I omitted. But he talks about uh, a skier who saw a woman in the second story of the hotel that appeared to be Annabelle still guarding her town. From what I understand, there are frequent slamming doors in the hotel. And sometimes if you're a man and you're walking toward a door, about the time you get two or three inches away from it, it slams shut. There are interesting paranormal things going on there. I have not personally been there, but I probably will be after reading that. We'll make that a destination on one of our jaunts, probably in the spring. Brian, in answer to your question for Halloween, this is the first year that we're actually not sure what we're going to do for Halloween. We are kind of leaving it open. October's very busy. We're out every day, either doing a show or investigating something or all the other things that we do. It keeps us, uh, keeps us very busy. The big difference is the end of the season will not come the day after Halloween this year. We've decided that the season doesn't end as long as we're able to to keep at it. Shows may change, and some of the theatrical seances, things like that, those will not go away. The Psych Out show is still here, so you can still order that one. You can still do just about anything custom, and Cassandra is ramping up the jewelry making. All of that can be seen at Fidgebear, F-I-D-G-E-B-E-A-R.com. What's your ghost story? Do you have a haunted town that you know about? Is the town you live in haunted? Do you have a story? And we'd love to hear it. Also, don't forget, download, download, download. Help us spread the word along, and we are thankful for that. We're going to be out a lot since the season doesn't end this year. So there's a pretty good chance I'm going to see a lot of you out there. And until then, we'll see you inside your mind. Good night from Seattle.
And hey, tell a ghost story, would you?